Sometimes it's really funny the way that life works. I was enjoying my Friday evening and I just decided to check my emails one more time and I got an email from a agent or talent company. I get these all the time with submissions for guests for recovering from reality. For some reason, I just decided to open it up and to check out who this person was. And I'm reading through this email and I'm like, yeah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Your client is so great. This is why they'd be a perfect fit. But for some reason, I just had a feeling that I needed to go on this girl's Instagram because her handle was hell, health is hell. And I was like, that's really interesting. Let me go check out this chick. Her name is Allie Weiss and it is Tuesday and Allie came from New York and is here to join us on the Recovering from Reality podcast. I um, briefly jump into um, this new segment that I want to do and I'd love to get your guys' feedback and um, know what you think about it. But I want to do these moments called not proud of myself. Because despite where you're at in your journey, we all make choices sometimes that we are not proud of, and we should talk about them and celebrate them as learning experiences instead of this kind of like scarlet letter that we have to carry around with us um, and be tormented by for however long. Because I also feel like that really affects our mental health too. Like when we feel shame about one of the things that we did, whether it's yelling at our kids or speeding on the freeway or not being present or whatever it is, or saying something stupid in a group setting, how many of us sit there and for the next 15 showers that we take, regurgitate that experience over and over and over and again. So I'm here to tell you that we all have moments where we're not proud of ourselves. And, um, you know, and we're also all human. So we should be celebrating these moments that are hard too, because fuck, we're human. And um, figuring out this crazy thing called life certainly isn't easy. I got angry. I could feel myself getting like physically angry this weekend at Evan when he said he wanted to go <laughs> work out <laughs> because I needed a break. And I felt like he just didn't get it. And so I was such a bitch to him. And I feel really bad about it. So sorry, Evan. And I will do better. Um, you know, sometimes I have a hard time because I'm under so much pressure, recognizing that he is too. And I think that like, I've got it worse than everybody else in my life, which um, is just not the case. So we all need a hard, uh, a little dose of of some perspective every once in a while. And um, that is what I'm taking away from that moment where I was really not proud of myself. So without further ado, here is our episode with Allie. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. She is someone who um, is so smart, so witty, so funny, and even taught me, I shouldn't say even, taught me she taught me a lot in this episode so enjoy
Hey, it's Alexis Haynes, and this is my podcast, Recovering from Reality. So I grew up in New York City, born and raised. We are a rare breed of human being that are still living there, unicorns. Um, I grew up in a household where, you know, my parents were like neurotic and had their shit that was passed down to them from their own families. But I hate dwelling on it because all in all, I actually did have a stable home life. My parents have been together for 30 years. They still love each other. They co-own a law firm. So whatever bullshit they have as individuals, I was raised in a home where I believed that like long-term love was possible. And despite being career people, my parents um, always made me and my brother feel like their first priorities. My own bullshit, started really young because I started going through puberty when I was nine. Mm. So I became this baby woman um, before I even understood what it meant to like be a woman in the world, have a sexualized body before I even really knew what sex was. Um, And, you know, growing up in New York City proper, like you are surrounded by degenerates and, you know, fucked up people. And and you leave your house every morning when you're a child and you become so worldly because you're not sheltered from anything. Drug usage, homelessness, uh, sexual perversion, like literally whatever. So starting from the time that I was nine, you know, all of a sudden I just blossomed into this like curvaceous thing that looked like I was like 18. Like, Were you tall too? I was extremely, tall. I hit puberty very early too. Extremely. And was so tall. Yeah. So I was very tall. I forget when I reached the height that I am now, which is 5'10", but I was tall for my age. But, you know, by the time I was like 11, I had C boobs that grew into D boobs. Got my period when I was at like, you know, my like day camp. Had like a full fucking bush when you had to like, sh- you know, change in front of, other young kids your age, I I basically just became like a hypersexualized circus animal from the get. And so I feel in that way that I was rushed through a childhood, not because of anything that like my family did, but the world always treated me like I was double my age. And so I was never really given time or space to like not have responsibilities and not be hyper aware of the effect that my body had on other people, but also this understanding that my body was not my own. Mm. And that was really scary. Um, You know, I was like bullied and harassed by kids at school. I was followed to school by men in like shady vans. I was treated weirdly by my friend's dads. Um, Teachers at school, you know, male ones would like hit on me in front of the class. One of them like down, I don't know what the term is, but like downgraded me, like gave me lower grades than I deserved because like I didn't return his advances. Like it was fucked. And, um, you know, now as a 26 year old woman, I'm grateful for the power that my sexuality and my femininity gives me, but getting here was a really, really long and really tough road because I I feel like in a way I've never belonged to myself, hence why it was a natural choice for me to go and pursue theater where you belong to the audience and you essentially crucify yourself in front of mm-hmm. hundreds of strangers whose faces you can't see while you're sweating off stage makeup you know underneath lights that always felt so normal to me and it's easy for me now to kind of understand how a 
led to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, unless that's something that you've experienced, it's hard to explain it. I, I, I also think it's interesting we're in this world now where I remember um, seeing pictures of Kylie Jenner just a few years ago when she was barely 18 years old and she had had all of her work done. Yeah. And thinking this is actually a child that we are sexualizing in this way. Like she's a child. And it's becoming more and more prevalent in our society. And I find myself as a nearly 30-year-old woman looking at the Madison Beers and the um, Kylie Jenners and feeling like that's how I should look now, like as a 30-year-old woman. And you're like 20 years old, like maybe 20. Yeah, it's really scary. It's weird. So Kylie Jenner's story in particular is like fucking disturbing. Am I allowed to curse on your no, show? Sorry, please. I like have I've already my trucker well, mouth I is am, coming out. I, you, I just like try to be ladylike and it no, doesn't work. Don't. At least I wore a dress for you. Like you, you got you got something. You didn't need to because here I am and like with my Little Mermaid Band-Aid on my yeah, foot. Yeah, but you, you whatever. But you like sound <laughs> like a woman and you're composed and okay. you speak slowly and I'm like nah. <laughs> um, so Kylie Jenner I think is really scary because basically the internet bullied her when she was really young about how ugly she was your lips are thin you don't look like your sister or your mm-hmm. all your sisters like something's wrong with you kylie jenner once she made money spent it on becoming the image that the public asked, asked her, her to, become. to become that's so interesting and now we reward her and we made her a billionaire because she spent her money altering her body to become our fantasy and our fantasy when that girl was 15 16 17 years old before she Mm. even turned 18 so despite the fact that kylie you know looks a certain way now has all the money in the world whatever imagine living with that waking up every morning and being like oh the public didn't love me until i made myself look like a porn star wow it's unbelievable wow Allie, bring in the truth. You asked me to lay it down. Shit. You asked me to lay down the law. I mean, I just, yeah. And I even look at, um, you know, my daughter. I want, I, so I grew up in a household that was super sexualized. My mom was a playmate. My older sister went into Playboy this day she turned 18. Yeah. Um, We were wearing thongs in fifth grade. I had D breasts Mm -hmm. in middle school. Um, no longer because I got them shrunken and lifted. <laughs> Do you like them better now that they're smaller? I feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think people realize the double-edged sword of having large breasts. Yeah. Like, it's not it's no, not pleasant. It's, it's not, not pleasant something that I would want. At all. And for me, I'm a tall girl. I'm 5'10", so mm-hmm. people don't really realize how big my boobs are. Mm. But when I tell them, they're like, wait, what? It's It's a pain in the ass especially if you're like an active person who likes to exercise, back pain, and then just like the fact that you have two eyes on your chest rather than on your face. You know, the whole like intimacy that you're able to have with people. It shifts. It really does. Wild. Yeah. So I was super sexualized. I was in pole dancing classes by the time I got mixed messages. It was so weird. My mom, who who made me afraid of all men, I was already afraid of men because I was being sexually abused 
by like five years old. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she had her own history of rape and sexual abuse, too. So I was in like rape self-defense classes, but also pole dancing classes. Yeah, that's really interesting. Such a mind fuck. Yeah. And then when I was 16, I finished school early and I went on to be a music video girl. And then I was taken advantage of by men in the industry and all of this stuff. So coming into what what made me recognize my power was actually having kids. I once I my first birth did not go as planned and I felt totally powerless and it was horrible. But my second birth, I like pulled that baby out myself and put her on top of me. And just recognizing, like, well, I grew these kids, I birthed these kids, yeah. I nursed these kids, I've yeah. kept these kids alive for the last three and six years. Oh, yeah, you have. Holy shit. Like, yeah. I cannot believe that I did that. And, you know, and I look at my daughters, and so I've got a six-year-old who's already on competition dance team. You know, and they ask them to wear the jazz outfits, which is like the crop tops and tiny shorts. And then the baby and stuff. prostitute outfits. And I'm like, yeah. holy yeah. shit. Here jazz we go. outfits. I love that. I know. This country is so fucked up. <laughs> I, I know. So I'm like, fuck, where do we, what do we do? Yeah. You know, and so I, and I want her to own her, 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 you know, if she aligns with this, her divine feminine, that energy, that that power that we have to yeah. literally give life. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't even know where to f- how to fucking navigate this thing. This is so crazy. Yeah, I've my parents are open about a lot of things. But like, interestingly enough, until recently, we did not really talk about what it was like to raise me because I never thought about that. I was so entrenched in my own swamp, you know, that was in my mind that I never thought about like, what was it like for two adult people who adored me and were afraid for my well being to send me out to walk to school every day at, you know, eight or nine or whatever it is you start young when you're in new york and and were were they worrying did they not worry like i i really wonder what it was like from their point of view but what i am grateful for is my mother is like a boss ass career woman Mm. she came from a fucked up home has like a really bad relationship with her dad well he's dead now but she did and her way of dealing with that was to put it all into her work so she became a lawyer in the 80s when it was like not normal for women to become lawyers my mom fought tooth and nail she graduated top of her class at law school went to the best law firm in new york city decided that she didn't like that because she couldn't have a life left and started the law firm that she has now with my dad but she fought for the respect of men and in order to do that you know she always tells me she's like you had to work three times as hard as they were working you had to wear a suit you couldn't show any signs of like sensitivity or femininity it was all about your brain and your hustle I don't necessarily in 2019 agree with that way of doing things, but I am grateful that there was such a ridiculous emphasis on like hard work and intelligence in my Mm -hmm. home because I think that that being the standard inside my house and the like wildly sexual stuff being the standard outside my house actually allowed me to develop this kind of sense of like equilibrium you know I didn't have too much of one thing Mm. had my mom not been almost too insistent that I was like you know a hardworking genius I, I think I would have been seven years into the porn industry by now and that's the honest truth 
And, you know, part of why I'm so interested in talking to sex workers with my show and also, you know, befriending them in New York, there's an incredible network of them, is mm. I I see myself in them so much. And had I not been pushed to pursue a career that was, you know, brainy in some way, I have no doubt in my mind that I would have been stripping long before I turned 18 because I looked so old and could have gotten away with it. And when I did turn 18, could have become, you know, a centerfold girl, could have gone and started doing videos. I mean, that to me has always seemed, obviously everyone has a different story, but these women have made a career sometimes off of reclaiming their sexuality, sexuality. and yeah. saying, this is mine and I know you're going to be looking and I know you want me to look a certain way and I know that you have certain fantasies that you're projecting onto me, but you know what? I am deciding to play into that so that I can take your dollar. Mm -hmm. That's actually incredibly feminist and so empowering. I agree. I, I recently had Brie Olson on the mm. podcast who I love. And yeah. she's like, why do you like me? I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> you I mean? admire you. You yeah. are fucking amazing. Um, yeah, I think that it's really interesting. I also think that um, kind of reclaiming that sexuality doesn't necessarily need to be feminine. Yeah. Um, for me, it was. But after my healing, starting the healing work for my sexual abuse and moving from victimhood into survivorhood, reclaiming that. And I did that with my husband. I, I never really had good sex. Sorry to all my old partners. Sorry, guys. So sorry. Oh, now we're getting into ASMR. I'm sorry that I'm your dick was never good enough. I'm sorry that you never really made me orgasm. <laughs> But having a partner who was who was compassionate to my needs and who listened when I said, I actually don't like kissing when we have sex. Yeah. And this is what turns me on and this feels good to me. And I, you know, and I could explore that and and coming into this sexuality in my own way that was the final part of my healing yeah was being able to claim this and be like oh no this is mine because that message of my body doesn't belong to me isn't just it's you know i almost feel like all women receive that now yeah. you know what i mean we yeah. can't nurse our babies in public yeah. because it might offend somebody right we can't God forbid someone sees a nipple uh, Let's talk oh about the Instagram God. nipple problem where men's nipples are everywhere, but women's nipples mm -hmm. aren't anywhere. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted you, but no, I feel passionate about it, it's nipples. It's a problem. I'm all about free the nipples. I feel like everybody should be able to do whatever they want with their nipples because I'm sorry, guys. Our breasts weren't actually created for you I know. outside of feeding you when we gave birth they to you. They weren't meant for adult men yes. to suck on. So, and if you're into that, that's fine, right. yeah. but don't project it on um, me. Right. You know, um, so moving into like more of the mental health proponent. So at what age did you start? Feel You said that you deal with depression, anxiety and ADHD. ADHD and then like mania that comes as a result from the ADHD, the highs and lows that come with that. Um, but not bipolar. No, not no. bipolar. At one point it was thought that maybe I could have bipolar too. And then it was determined that that was not the case. Okay. Um there's a lot of mental health issue on um, both sides of my family, both my mom and my dad. And it was never cracked open until I first started going to a psychiatrist. 
for a lot of reasons. I mean, my mom's side of the family was very much of like you brush everything under the rug. Appearances are everything. Like we are going to look beautiful and no one is going to suspect that anything's wrong. And obviously my mom with her work ethic has brought that into her adult and mother life. My dad's side of the family, classic like 60s New York Jews were like Everyone had problems, and so you didn't think that something was wrong mm. with you. And his mom, my grandmother, actually like went to the same shrink for thirty years. But we kind of like laugh about the fact that like I think they were just like friends. Like nothing actually like <laughs> went down in that office. And um, you know, my my both of my parents were raised in very different ways to believe that like this shit does not need to be talked about. Um, my dad ended up having like a pretty intense midlife crisis and ultimately went to therapy. But even now, I think he kind of like resents that he had to go to therapy he mm. knows it helped him but he's like oh like i'm a man i should be able to deal with this myself um so yeah luckily my parents were very supportive of me being in therapy and i've literally been in therapy for my entire life i have had three different therapists the one i'm with now i've been with for 10 years but when i was young i had to go to childhood therapists um because when i was really young i was afraid to poop like would not mm. poop. And what's so interesting. No, that's a thing I actually know other people who have this. My same brother thing. had the same problem. So what does that say about my parents? And my parents still will not take responsibility for this. They're like, oh, it's just coincidence. I'm like, fuck you guys. This is not a coincidence. But both of us were afraid to poop. I was afraid, <clears throat> excuse me, of um, men in masks. So any sort of like Halloween costume or like amusement park costume where like, you know, the, the face was covered, could not deal with that. Um, and then I got older and went to a different therapist because that's when I was like starting to deal with all my puberty stuff. And then the therapist I have now I've had since I was um, 15. And I'm, I'm grateful that my parents have spent all that money getting me into that office because I don't know that I would have been halfway okay without it. But I started being aware of the fact that I was sad and panicked and confused from the time that my hormones started flooding so from the time that I was like nine and I think that the biggest thing for me the through line is that I always felt isolated because I felt so much older and so much different from all of my peers physically but also emotionally and mentally because of the way that people treat you with that physicality and you know even to date like my worst fear and I'm working through it is being alone and feeling isolated and not feeling connected with people. It's been an amazing driving force for my career, but personally, you know, I become very obsessed with people very quickly and like I want them to be obsessed with me too. I'm really into like codependent mm. friendships and codependent relationships. And I'm starting now at 26 to learn that like, there's a slow burn. You meet someone and you don't have mm. to be best friends right away or like you guys don't have to be madly in love right away and someone can still really care about you and not be texting you 24-7. Yeah. I definitely have issues with that. I think that goes back to the whole self-worth thing though. Like when you grow up believing that people like you for your body and not for who you are, it's kind yeah. of like you can easily run with that and I think recognizing oh wait 
there's so much here that's of value and learning to appreciate that. And we also live in a world that tells us that we shouldn't appreciate that. Like we shouldn't appreciate ourselves. We should be good girls who just, you know, when we get a compliment, say, oh, thank thank you. Right. And then on the flip side of that, porn is telling men and boys that what women should do is like be submissive, but also Mm. be willing to like deep throat your dick, you know? So you have like one sector of society being like, wear a dress, cross your legs, say please and thank you. Don't speak too loudly mm-hmm. and then another sector of society yeah, is like be a whore in the get sheets. on your knees yes. you know and take it in both sides like yes. and it's it's in, like how is anybody supposed Let's to grow navigate up this no it's insane i still don't know you know what seth seth rogan went on a went on howard stern this week when he was in la or mm-hmm. last week and he, he you know howard stern was like are you guys addicted snoop dogg was on too are you guys addicted to weed and Seth Rogen goes, I mean, no, our brains were not meant to live in this fucked up society. Yeah. Like our bodies can handle, you know what I mean? Like we yeah. can do crazy things with our bodies. We can become bodybuilders if we want. Yeah. We can do whatever we want. But our brains actually have a hard time keeping up. And he started talking about how he runs this like Alzheimer's thing and he knows a lot about brains. And I was like, okay, whatever. But what he was saying was – we need shoes to adapt to this world. Are we addicted to our shoes? We need glasses to see. Are we addicted to our glasses? And some people need certain things to cope with the real world. And so I'm never against, you know, using drugs, whether it's pharmaceuticals or otherwise. Um, I think that it's interesting to have these dialogues where we go like, well, but what about society is so fucked up? I mean, technology was supposed to make our lives easier and it's made them more complicated and much harder. You know, it's like, so how do we live these like, we are getting so many mixed messages. Yeah. And that's fucking brutal. Yeah. And, you know, so our worth is now on Instagram likes. You know what I mean? Our wor- We get all of these fucked up messages. And so, of course, it's going to affect our ability to have relationships with people. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, look, I I look at how many of my friends, even who are not my age, who are like in their like early mid 30s are like still single. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they don't want a meaningful connection with one person. It's because like everyone's brain is falling out of their ears Mm -hmm. and they like don't know how to do that and even if you do find somebody that you really like a man can go on Instagram and see 750 pictures of asses and has the idea that on a lucky day you might be able to DM one of these women and they might respond, you know, mm-hmm. or like dating apps. Swipe, swipe, swipe. All of a sudden you have thousands and thousands and thousands of people at your feet. Oh, we have too okay. many options. The Internet has given us too many options. And even if you want to like zoom in on this, when you are a, a freelance creative or an independent creative who works on Instagram, it is so difficult to like navigate a real career path when you have so many responsibilities in how you present yourself on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, because this is all about contradictions, Instagram tells us that we can only be one thing. I am constantly getting asked the question, what do you do? I don't understand. Like you you make comedy videos, but you you also have this podcast about wellness stuff and and you also do like advertisements for weed companies. What are you? And I was like, I'm a I'm a human being, you know? I exist under the umbrella of entertainment. Yeah, it sucks. We we have we have too many options and too many contradictions and you know the God's honest truth is I wake up every morning and despite how grateful I am for my life my first thought every single morning is oh fuck another day mm. oh fuck and for me personally 
I think it's like an ongoing battle figuring out how to how to navigate the digital world. But I need to remind myself, like as we were talking about before, boundaries. Very difficult for me. I do not have a lot of them, but really being diligent about boundaries with when am I answering my email? When am I texting people? Asking people to call me instead of texting so I can actually feel like there's human connection. See, I like that too. And it uh, this person's listening, but everybody's always like, you need to, you need texting. Everybody's texting now. And one of these people is yeah. my husband. Stop calling me so much. Just no, text like, me whatever. I'm like, I want yeah, to I want to communicate with you. Yes. I don't like texting through the yes. phone. I want to have, well, okay, give me your number. I'll call you every day. <laughs> yeah. No, for <laughs> and real we though. Can just talk. No, but I'm serious. I miss the days of picking up, of having, I miss the days of being 12 and having to talk to someone's parents. How about and having to to call them on the phone and say, Hi, is Rebecca there? Can I talk to Rebecca, please? And talking to my girlfriend until they're like, Get off the line. We need to use the phone. Like, I so miss that. I can't even imagine navigating. We kind of got off topic. We went into mental health and then we pulled out of it for a sec. But I can't even imagine dating in this world like I look at my girlfriends yeah who are in their 30s or approaching their 30s and still single and navigating you know the dating apps and I can't even imagine I'm I got married to my husband I was 20 (gasps) and he was 35 and he said he would never get married and then he met me and then we got married eight months later we've been married for seven years I can't imagine I don't think my mental health would be able to like handle Tinder. Like my anxiety would be yeah. through the roof all of the time. Mm-hmm. I would have, I would be constantly analyzing my photos. What my, you know, I would be changing my, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like, it kind of reminds me of the MySpace days where like yeah. we needed the perfect, you know, like the top eight and like your bio had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I, mean? I actually just wrote about this on Instagram. So I've like, downloaded and deleted and downloaded and deleted dating apps like a million times and the consensus is always like fuck this this is not for me dating apps are great for some people like if you have the kind of personality where you are not super inclined to like go up to a stranger at a coffee shop or a bar or a concert or whatever it is this could be good for you or also maybe if you don't really know how to present yourself in the best way with first impressions but i'm the opposite of that where it's like energy is everything, everything. Yeah. energy is everything to me i like people because of what is not perfect about them. I don't care what someone does for work. I don't care what religion they are, how much money they make, how tall they are. It's like, I want to see how somebody carries themselves in space and how the way they carry themselves makes me feel and like what our banter is like knowing nothing about each other. There's just this like artificial screen that is up when you're using dating apps so you know for me that how i've kind of been navigating the dating scene you never know who you're gonna meet i leave some of it up to fate and i am someone who loves stranger danger so you know talking to strangers is really enjoyable for me (laughs) and i try to like smile at them and the whole thing but um i really would like to date somebody who either doesn't have Instagram or doesn't give a shit about Instagram. Mm. And there is a big world. We forget this in New York and L.A. And especially when we work in entertainment, there's a big world of people who don't really use Instagram or use Instagram to post pictures of like beer and their dogs. I'm like, that's so hot to me. (laughs) If you have over a thousand Instagram followers, chances are I'm not interested. So there's that. And also dating older. 
when I was 20, I was dating a 30-year-old. When I was 22, my boyfriend was 35. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes the age difference is too much. But I, I really do want somebody who's kind of over their like you know, tits and ass phase, not yes. of like engaging with it in real life, but like being on Instagram, being obsessed with watching porn, being obsessed with dating yes. apps. Like My I, husband yeah. and I had a dry spell like after we had our first baby. And I was like, don't you like need to have sex? He's like, honey, I'm 40 years know. old. You know how much sex I've had in my life? I'm like, yeah. okay, I don't need to don't hear about it. Okay. Okay. But I know you've had a lot of sex, far more sex than I've had. So he's like, I'm fine. I don't need to have like, constant great sex all the time yeah um but the other thing going back to what you said about how there's certain people who maybe don't um don't know how to go up and smile and all that stuff are we we're losing the art of that yeah because of these apps you only learn what works and what doesn't by going out and doing it trial and error we're so yep. afraid to fail now like what if i smile at the guy at the coffee shop and then he doesn't smile right. back rejection well, then god he forbid Right. Then he doesn't smile back. And we can face rejection when the other person doesn't swipe right. Or is it swipe left? No, right is good. Okay. Left is bad. So if they swipe left, we can deal with that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, eh, whatever, because we're swiping right on 50 fucking right. guys that day. Right. But if we're in a coffee shop and we actually feel this vibe with somebody and we want to smile and, you know, maybe say hi or, you know, get whatever it is we've lost the art of being able to do that i mean we've also lost the art of being able like millennials are so unequipped to handle the ups and downs of life like when we have mm. a bad day we post a thoughty picture on instagram and stare at our phones until it hits a certain amount of likes how i'm only laughing up. because um i while well, i don't really post that many thoughty photos not ever really it's okay if I, you do. I, moms are hot too i we are i'm just really not that person That's okay um too. but i do i'm like oh my god you know what i mean like i caught myself the other day oh my god this is cringeworthy I'm actually going to start doing this thing on my podcast called Not Proud of Myself Moments. Okay, and tell this me. Is one of the suspense them. is absolutely One of me. my photos got 800 likes. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Tell me. And I texted my girl Mandy, who like manages my account. I'm like, what the fuck? Am I shadow banned? Like, <gasps> what? <laughs> no, you didn't. Because my girlfriend just got shadow banned and kicked off Instagram. I'm like, they're censoring me because I talked about childhood rape, aren't they? And she was like, you need to chill. You need to it was a Sunday down. at 6 p.m. Nobody's on Instagram. <laughs> God, cringe. But, the, but honestly, it's Co yes, it's cringe. But at the same time, it's not abnormal. Like all of my friends who are so successful in their work and are like cool and interesting and funny, like these girls sit around watching as the likes come in. It is a very common thing to do now. And the only solution to it, it's a very basic solution, but the only solution to it is Get the fuck off Instagram. That's the boundaries. So that's what I'm talking about with like regard, especially regards to our mental health. Um, I have, I cannot Instagram before 8 a.m. And I can't Instagram after like 7 p.m. Like, yes. And when my kids are home between 5 and 7, I don't look. I like maybe check once after I get them into bed. And then I'm like, okay, I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. You know, also being selective about the content that I enjoy watching. I mute everyone mm -hmm. I, I hope this doesn't idea. offend any of my friends that were listening but it's like look just be 
whether or not I like your content says nothing about whether or not I like you. There are some people I know who are the best conversationalists I've ever met in my entire life, but on Instagram, they're posting pictures of their like frothy, fruity pink cocktails. And I'm like, I just really don't care. You know, I really don't care. So I mute a lot of people. I try to kind of curate what shows up on my feed. But the best thing I ever did in August, I deleted my Instagram for like 15 days and just did not go on it. My mental health soared. It was amazing. It was like mm. such an easy solution. Very difficult to do. In the beginning, I was like reaching for my phone at all times. I was like tempted to open up Instagram in my safari. Like it was fucked. It's, it's, it's wild because we are so quick in this mental health conscious time to be like, I have a substance abuse problem. I'm addicted to love. I'm addicted to sex. I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to all these things. Nobody thinks about the fact that we're addicted to Instagram. We're addicted to notifications. We're addicted to engagement. I hate that word. Like deleting it off my phone was incredible because I realized for the first three days how severely I had an issue. But then after those three days were finished, I was like, wow, I just got so much time back in my day. And I like have a much better understanding of what I like and what I need. And then since going back on it for work purposes, I try to delete it off my phone unless I have something to post. And if Mm -hmm. I do have something to post, I'll re-download it, post, do what I need to do, answer some DMs, and then delete it again. On the new iPhone, you can put, um, and I don't know how it is for other iPhones, but you can put time limits Mm. and so um i have a time limit of two hours for all of my social media apps and i'm not allowed to spend after the two hours i get a notification that's it time's up yeah you know what i mean and i like that because it's like okay so i spent two hours of my day on here Mm -hmm. and mind you i'm in my dms constantly i'm i message people all day long about you know, their mental health or they need treatment or they're dealing with a hard thing with their husbands or whatever. But literally after that two hours, I'm like, okay, I've given people two hours of my time on here now and I'm done. I'm done. You know, I need to be doing other things with my life. Yeah. No, it's true. And I just, I I really, I'm going to say it again. Like I am shocked that people do not consider how social media and the engagement that we get online might be addictive. I'm mm-hmm. I'm really, I have to tell you, I'm like floored that people come on this show and check their notifications while they're talking to you because I just, first of all, I think that's like rude and like ruins the vibe. But also if you, if you can't be away from your phone for an hour. Well, look at, we go to lunch with our girlfriends and we can't, everybody puts their phone on the table. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone puts their phone on the table. And they've actually done studies with children's brains now that when the phone lights up like that, children get a dopamine hit. Ugh. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Okay, so here's that's our rant and tirade. Uh, So let's talk about what we do with it. So we all know what I do with it because I talk about it on every episode, but you're using comedy to talk about these really hard issues. So I brought up the Kim Kardashian videos because those (laughs) just happen to be my favorite. Part of my mental health stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I I deleted everybody who supports diet culture off of my Instagram. That was really helpful. We should also listen, not to say that I believe in cancel culture because I do think that it's fucked up. However, we should be canceling people who have nothing to talk about on a public forum other than like their diet and exercise routines Mm -hmm. it is so boring and it is so toxic sorry i just i had to say that it was i think authenticity i think that they're that last week's episode or the week before actually i don't know when this is going to come out but i had heather mcdonald on and we talked about i love her her. but we talked about cancel culture for comedians too because so many people are being you know 
called out for things that they said 10 years ago and stuff like that. And that's a whole nother conversation. But um, I just believe that everybody has the right to choose what kind of content that they want, but it needs to be more, right? Like we're in this space of like authenticity and don't bullshit me and tell me you want to go to the gym six days a week. There's no way no. that you really like going to the gym no. six days a week. No, there's absolutely no way. And look, I, I agree with you in the sense that, like, sure, everyone has freedom to be interested in what they're interested in, post about what they want. But with the world in such a dire state, mm -hmm. I'm surprised that more people do not feel like they have a responsibility to create something bigger than themselves. I agree. Maybe this is just because I went to hippie school for, like, all of grade school and, like, grew up in Greenwich I'm Village, like, you. kumbaya. But, like, <laughs> I, I really am, like... Our climate is burning. We have a mm -hmm. fucked up government. People are dying. We all know this. This is not I news. I say sound the alarms in almost every episode. Right. Like, this is a fucking this is a level crisis. 10 crisis. We are living in the apocalypse. And the fact that people still mm -hmm. think it is worthwhile to post like what I eat in a day is shocking to me. But even more shocking is the fact that people continue to do that because their best engagement comes. Because in America, we are conditioned to believe that self-worth is all about appearances and sexuality. So comedy, you asked what, how that kind of became the subject, uh, excuse me, the, how wellness became the subject of my comedy and how comedy became my tool. It's very simple. For the amount of years that I was miserable and the times now that I still feel miserable, I have two choices. One is to cry and the other is to laugh. And I think that what is so special about comedians is you, you, you have to be really sad to want to become a comedian. You have to be really masochistic to want to subject yourself to so many people's unsolicited opinions, the amount of hate that you're going to get. But also to be a truly good comedian, you need to reflect people and society back to people in society. You have to be okay with holding up that mirror and you have to know that the reaction that is going to solicit is going to be fucked up because people are not ready for that. And you also have to have the balls to deliver that messaging in a way that's kind of shocking because you want to get attention and you want people to remember it. So when I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do after leaving theater school, I thought to myself, okay, you know, I can like get an agent and try to be on the CW and like take advantage of the fact that like my tits still sit where they should. Or I could, you know, dive headfirst into the world of creating your own content. But, you know, there, there's only so many white girls talking about their neuroses that I could tolerate. I was like me writing another stand-up routine <clears throat> about how it's like hard for me to sleep at night because someone hasn't texted me back. Like I, I cannot. I just cannot go down that path. And I realized there's so much crisis and there there's so many dire things that need to be addressed. But it is kind of polarizing even more so than comedy when somebody takes a holier-than-thou approach with it. And I've just always seen comedy as an equalizer. Like laughter is a universal language. Like when you see someone laughing, it's hard not to laugh yourself. And there was a need for joy in our culture, but there was also a need to sneak attack people with hard-hitting information mm -hmm. rather than deeming myself an activist, which I think I'm very outspoken about things, but I I'm not a professional activist. What I can do is figure out how to take these big picture topics and deliver them in a way that seems like content for the sake of content. And you're smart. And you picked up on the fact that all my Kim Kardashian shit was very much about like the culture of looking artificial and like body obsession and hawking laxatives disguised as like a glamorous tea. See, and that's what I can't get behind just to dive back t two steps is like, 
if you're making so much money mm -hmm. off of all of these people, why do you need to sell them tea that tea. makes you shit? Yep. So that, you know, that harms people to make more money. I just don't understand it. Kylie I can, Jenner, never get behind it. as much as I sympathize with the psychological stuff, Kylie Jenner is a billionaire with a B. And Kylie Jenner could build like schools all over the world. Oh, Kylie don't Jenner, even get me started Kylie Jenner has this. enough money to actually sway corporations. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about this, not to get too preachy, you guys. I know I'm not an activist. I'm a comedian. Just sit down and shut up. But it's like the real way to make any difference in this world is to hit the corporations who decide what the rest of us are doing. Like you're using a metal straw. Amazing. Congratulations. But like that's not really swaying the big men upstairs. Kylie Jenner has enough money to sway the big men upstairs and she's mm -hmm. buying Ferraris instead. I know. Oh, my God. But it's because she I do believe that there's a part of her that be, that makes that makes her feel good. As with a lot of performers, I have my public self and I have my private self. My public self is not not authentic to who I am. It is very much who I am, but it is one part of who I am. And my public self constantly has like a middle finger in the air and like won't take shit from anyone, will run their mouth, say whatever they want to say. Private me is very sensitive and is still wading through all the bullshit I dealt with when I was younger and is still figuring out how to navigate interpersonal relationships and and how, when to let people in and when to see that they're bad for me and how much to drink and how much not to drink. And, you know, I, I still feel very fragile behind closed doors. And I think it would be, you know, avoiding the truth if I didn't say that part of the reason why I dove headfirst into this grandiose public image is like I needed to I needed to protect myself because I knew that if I pursued the life of you know just a writer or just like an emotional actor who who didn't have this comedic great wall of China in front of them it would be very hard for me to keep a thick skin Mm. Public me has a thick skin. So 50% of my body has the thickest, most impenetrable skin you've ever seen. 50% of my body, you could take a sewing needle and you can stick it through my entire self. And I don't know that there's anything wrong with that because I think that that's what it means to be a human. Is. So I love, and I talk about Brene Brown on almost every episode. People are probably really sick of it. But she talks about like that, that authentic self like is a raw nerve inside of us, but it is the most pure thing about us. Yeah. And we should all be striving actually to move away from the thick skin if we want to heal as a society and towards the raw nerve. Yeah. Because we would be able to go, oh, that hurts you. And I don't want to hurt you because I know what it feels like to be hurt. Right. That's right. beauty. Right. That's what being a real authentic human being on the path of of evolving and enlightenment and connection and you know, is really what that's what it's all about. And I hope people and I don't see it. You know, we keep hearing this thing like people want more authentic content people, but they don't No, they, they don't. don't. Because if that was the case, then I would have six million followers and you would have six million followers and the Kylie Jenner's of the world, which plus her, I know we've hated on her a lot this episode. And I have no hate the, the poor I have so much compassion for her. But yeah, but it's like then they would have two or less yeah. or none. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I feel like, you know, there's still the vast majority of people who really 
Don't want that. Well, the reason that we're having such a hard time connecting with each other now is because there's this phenomenon of not only cancel culture, but hot girl summer mm. and trust no bitch. And like, you know, you you don't deserve to like, you know, have my phone number unless you're willing to buy me a diamond. Like, I'm obviously so gung-ho about all the female empowerment that's going on right now. And I think it's long overdue. But at the same time, it's gone one step further where like women are like, cool, it's our time to reclaim ourselves that we are going to turn ourselves into like a more expensive version of a commodity. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like women don't want to be seen as vulnerable anymore, at least online. We don't want to seem like we could be taken advantage of. So we're doing the stark opposite, which is like wearing a thong bikini and being like, sure, you can take me out if you like drive a Lambo and are like willing to like buy me a steak and like never look at another woman again. That's not being human. And the whole trust no bitch thing, that's not human either. Like, it sucks to be hurt. It sucks to feel like you could trust someone and then realize that you were wrong all along. It it sucks to have your heart broken. But if you don't experience these things, you never learn lessons, but you also never live life. And my worst fear is to get to my old age where I don't look the way that I look anymore and life's opportunities are not falling in my lap the way that they are right now. And I look back and I'm like, I regret that I, I wasn't more open. I regret that I didn't take more chances. And so now, sure, people are quick to deem me sloppy or risky or, you know, a, 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 what do people call me? Oh, my God, I've been called everything. I've been called like a whore, you know, just because I'm willing to talk openly about things, like despite the fact that I've I've never even been in, you know, the sex industry, not that that's a whore thing to do, but, you know, it's funny to me that, like, I'm just trying to live the most human life possible and people are like, she's irresponsible. Mm. I think I'm the opposite of irresponsible because I I think I'm constantly, consciously trying to make myself as accessible and human as possible. What, What is irresponsible about that? Nothing. And I asked my husband a few months ago I'm like what is wrong with me I feel so sensitive I'm crying all the time I feel angry I feel all of the stuff and he goes you finally tapped into that raw nerve yeah and you're exposed and everything hurts and that's just being human yeah and so I think we should all strive to access more of that because it makes our heart break we feel like we we finally feel I put this in the intro of my book this process, it makes us feel our heart, including heartbreak. And that's just part of it. And it's okay. And that's the beauty of this journey, too. And we can't forget that, that we're going to have days where we feel great and or moments rather where we feel great and moments where we feel sad and moments where we feel anxious and moments where we're exhausted and moments where we have tons of energy and highs and lows and highs and lows and highs and lows. And um, I think the journey back to wholeness is first acknowledging that and then being more compassionate towards others and and having more grace for each other it's kind of my worst nightmare that anybody would see me as perfect truly Mm. is i am really afraid of people seeing me as having it together too much which is interesting because up until you know last year when I was 25 turning 26 that's all I wanted I didn't want anyone to see that I was a disaster inside that I was so lonely and hurting and and did not know how to exist within my own mind and my own body like 
I wanted to have a wall of empowered sexuality. Now, something I'm working on is breaking down my own wall. I want people to meet me and be like, yeah, she's like cool and 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 funny and enjoy spending time mm. with her, but like she's got a lot to work on. Like I'm 26 years old. Of I'm, course you do. I am trying so yes. hard to Benjamin Button, you know? Like I am <laughs> that's how I'm dealing with my yes. trauma head on is I am trying to tell myself like baby, like I try to be compassionate with myself and like literally call myself like honey. Like honey, you spent so many years desperately trying to make yourself feel safe in your skin and in the world. Now you do feel safe because of what you've built for yourself. So it's time to take chances to feel a little bit more unsafe. Feel like a kid. Feel like someone who is in their mid-20s with nothing figured out. It's really hard to do that. It's really hard to kind of unravel the string that you've worked so hard to build. But if you're if you're at the right place in your psychological process, you can afford to untie the string a little bit and and you will still be able to stand upright sorry for all these like flouncy metaphors but but i really do believe in that and it's it's funny that i'm saying like i'm trying so hard to kind of be a mess but the more messy i am the more liberated i am and i wish more people understood that there is so much space in the real world not the digital world but the real world to have nothing figured out and and freedom is the key to happiness, you know? And I don't even know if there is like a definition to happiness or if happiness is even like attainable, but I want to at least wake up every morning and feel like I'm being the most authentic to myself that I can be because if I'm being myself, I'm doing all that I can do, mm. you know? Like it doesn't matter whether or not I'm drinking green juice and saluting the sun. Like I'm I'm myself, so whatever people want to say about me or to me kind of rolls off. Yeah. Wow. That was that was and that's the tea, you guys. That it's was the, burning hot, it you was guys. So hot. It's imported Earl Grey <laughs> with just a dash of almond milk and some stevia because so it's LA. Good. We don't so put sugar good. in our tea. No sugar, stevia only. Stevia only. Monk fruit. <laughs> Erythritol. Oh my god, I'm gonna <laughs> off myself. Um, okay, so you guys can follow Ali at Health Is Hell on Instagram, and you should because her content makes you laugh and realizes how crazy this world that we live in is in a good way she also writes for playboy and vice she has a show on vice what is it it's called open session it's a glamorous talk show about weed which is which is really fun and um my heart and soul and my absolute baby is my podcast also also excuse me called health is hell where i talk to misfits and rebels and fuck-ups and weirdos about their Mm. life stories and why the advice that they can give is actually a lot better than us normies can give. I agree. This week's affirmation is, I choose to let go of all that no longer serves me. And so it is. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want more information about today's episode, head over to our website and click the podcast page. If you love what we're about over here at Recovering From Reality, do me a favor and like, subscribe, and review us on iTunes. We're all about community here at Recovering From Reality, so feel free to screenshot today's episode and post it on Instagram. Don't forget to tag us at Recovering From Reality. 